1: Welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Lemsdall, and My guest this week is Rick Mailer. He's the CEO and co-founder at City Barbecue, which is by far the best fast casual barbecue chain out there. It was founded in 1999, and we'll get into that as well. But uh, Rick, welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast. Thanks, Nick. You bet. So one thing that I ask every single guest at the very beginning, and it's a kind of nice nice little, little starter, is what's one thing people might not know about you?
0: Uh that's a good question the uh so I was I thought about that because you did ask that before this uh this podcast. So here are the four things that probably people don't know my, about me. I <laughs> okay. I can operate a combine so I can cut wheat and corn. I can operate a combine. I can deliver a calf if need be. If you have a cow that's giving birth, I could probably help you out there. Nice. And uh, I love motorcycles and airplanes. So those are those are maybe the four things people wouldn't know. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, it's a nice little
1: mixture of, of uniqueness. I've known you, you've taken a few motorcycle trips every year and it's always something I got my, my motorcycle license, but I haven't, uh, haven't gone full out where I need to go on and do crazy, crazy road trips, but that might be next.
0: It is fun. It's a great adventure. The, I got into the adventure riding here about three years ago where you try to stay off the pavement and just kind of ride the back country gravel roads and just in early October uh paralleled the Appalachian Trail for about oh, six or seven hundred miles over the course of a couple uh, days, and um, just a just a great time to see parts of America that most people don't see. I guess it's just very interesting.
1: Yeah, that's a really unique story. So let's talk about City Barbecue a little bit. But before you get into that, you opened up a City Barbecue. You started out of entering the barbecue competitions and you know i think my my comp my barbecue is pretty good i've smoking and meat and pulled pork and all sorts of stuff but tell me about your experience when it comes to barbecue competitions
0: well the the, the we we are formed by a barbecue competition team the original founders as well as myself mm-hmm. did enter uh, numerous competitions i i have to be honest and say i did not enter that many <laughs> um i didn't bring home a lot of the trophies but my original founding partners did. And so we took all of those techniques and we took that competition quality attitude and they taught me quite candidly how to do competition quality barbecue. And that's when um, that's when City Barbecue was born. And so the roots and the pedigree of the organization is, is from a competition standpoint. And today, one of our mantras, when we talk to our guests in the restaurants is um or or train our teammates excuse me is it competition quality are you serving barbecue this competition quality and kcbs the kansas city barbecue society this is probably getting way more into the weeds than you want to do but <laughs> but i'll do it anyway so the kansas city barbecue society has a scoring system and a nine is actually a perfect score you think it's 10 but for some reason they use nine so one of our mantras of food quality is always did it score a nine if it were in a barbecue competition so we took that legacy, those roots, um, pedigree of competitions, and applied it in our restaurants.
1: Man, that's something. So when did you say you're starting to do these competitions? You're starting to win things, and where was the aha moment? Like, man, this is this is something. I should probably open up a, a restaurant. What is that? where did that switch come?
0: Well, it didn't really come from the competitions, but rather I was visiting a barbecue joint out somewhere, I believe anonymous, and they were selling franchises and. I thought about it and I met with them and realized, uh, I think I could do this better myself. And so I got together with these barbecue competition guys and said, I think I can do a barbecue restaurant. By the way, it was I for about half a day till I told the idea to my wife, Bonnie, then it became we very quickly. But (laughs) so we went to the, these, my competitor friends and acquaintances and I said, I think I can do a barbecue restaurant. I'm the one that's stupid enough to put my life savings, Bonnie and I put in our life savings uh, into this thing and I'll quit my day job to do it. And they said, well, we really support what you're trying to do. We'll teach you technique, et cetera, but we're smart guys. We're not going to quit our day jobs. And so <laughs> I, I, I went out on a lark and started a city barbecue as, as one joint. And the interesting thing about that was we really bootstrapped this company on on day one. The uh, i didn 't come from money, my wife doesn 't come from money at all. It was literally the money we had saved working for the past ten years when we decided to give this a shot and start a barbecue joint and and so we really wanted to focus on the quality of that product and the guest experience and how we would treat our teams and 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 kind of have a model for how how we wanted a company to be man I love that
1: i love the the guest experience and and focusing on the employee experience as well but you know, when you first decided to open up the first first joint, it was just a seamless, easy start. Everything was great. The orders began coming in. Is that is that how it went, or was there a different story?
0: Maybe a little of both. You, you know, it's also it's always more romantic to talk about all the hardships. Probably our hardships came after we were in business a couple of years. The yeah. start was was not too bad. We we really promoted. We, we we started in Columbus, Ohio, and so one of the things we did is we did have delays opening the first restaurant in on Henderson road in Arlington. And I was naive uh, as well as one of the original founders. We, we thought, you know, we'd have this thing going in 30 days. Well, we didn't realize that you have things like zoning permits, construction, etc. cetera. And so it drove out to, you know, a good 120 days, if not longer. And so I needed money. And so we started catering in my garage. And so I set up a makeshift kitchen in my garage Put the smoker in the driveway, and would do some random catering events, and also we would market ourselves uh, to Ohio State. So back then they allowed the RVs to kind of be more in the mainstream of the of the tailgating and so forth. So I literally every weekend would go to Kinko's copies, copy off flyers, I had Bonnie and my home phone number. I changed our answering machine. That's when we had answering machines to, hey, welcome to City Barbecue, can we take your order? And so we would take these tailgate orders where they could pick it up at where our restaurant was going to be on the corner of Henderson and Durker in Upper Arlington, Ohio. And I remember one weekend we sold a half a chicken. We didn't sell a whole chicken. We sold just a half a chicken to somebody. So I had lunch that day with the other half chicken that I smoked. And then one, like going into about the third or fourth game, we sold like $400 in food. People actually showed up and were buying our food. We didn't have health permits or anything, but that's, you know, statute of limitations has run out. It's been over 20 years. <laughs> but we uh, we um, sold like $400 worth of food, and we thought we were just off to the races. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah. what a huge day. This thing's awesome. We did some caterings in there. We, we were trying to get it open. We had tons of delays. There was one time – And I tell this story to our teammates a lot, I said, because culture and behaviors are so important to our company. I said there was one time where the restaurant wasn't open yet. We were about 70% done. I just got hit with another $5,000 bill on a plumbing issue that we weren't expecting. I was brining chickens in my garage at 3 in the morning for an event. And I literally stood there and, and in my mind, I said, what the fuck did I just do? I'm committed on a lease. I'm committed on this construction. All my money I've saved the last 10 years is in this. I'm brining chickens at three in the morning, and I have no idea if this thing's even going to work. And so that was one time that was pretty, you know, kind of my head was full of a little bit of doubt, if you will. But then I think 10 minutes later, I persevered. I uh, woke up and brined the chickens, smoked them, and kept doing it every day. It's So the opening, actually, because we had done all that pre-work, We actually had pretty good lines from day one. We just didn't know how to make money. We knew how to sell barbecue and how to make good barbecue, but we didn't know how to make money doing it yet. But the lucky thing is the cash register was ringing. And if I was going to talk to anybody that's starting a business, sounds like I give them a speech here. I'm sorry. It's supposed to be a conversation. You're good. No, I love it. (laughs) If If I talk to anybody that's starting a business, I'm going to tell them the first thing you got to do is get the cash register ringing because... You know, you can't cut your expenses to prosperity. You you have to get that cash register ringing, and that was the lucky thing we had at City Bar- Barbecue on day one, is our cash register was ringing at that location. Our second one, not so, not so much, but uh, the first one, it, it was a good way to get started. So that's that's really that's really what it is. It's, it was a garage story, um, cooked, got going in the first joint, and uh, kind of went from there. And uh, I'm not sure if Kinko's Coffee is around anymore i uh, i I spent a lot of money there back in the day yeah i'm I'm not sure i, I love the story and I love
1: the the perseverance and the grit in the garage moment where you're you're not sure where you're at or where you're going or how you got there or how you plan to get there or to to meet expectations in the future but uh with that in mind uh you started opening up this new physical location off of Henderson in Upper Arlington, what did you do to meet those expectations and kind of deliver on the promises that you mentioned earlier?
0: We had some, I've always been a, a, a very avid reader. And then I, I spent 10 years at John Deere where that was a great model of good and bad working for the company. The company is well run. I worked with dealerships across the United States, mainly the Midwest. And I saw how great ones did and I saw how not so good ones did. Yeah. And so it really kind of helped me Put together a formula for what i thought city barbecue would be and how we would form our teams how we would treat our people uh, back in 99 when we were forming this the word empowerment was big you know you know you got to empower your teammates etc but what we truly went back to was the values of our company and what our behaviors would be and how we would act and we had some very simple rules that we still have today one of them is uh the hundred dollar bill rule every team member has an imaginary $100 bill in her pocket to take care of a guest, no questions asked. Probably inflationary, we should, after 20-some years, we should change that to the $200 <laughs> per bill rule, but, but it's still a great metaphor and a point yeah. for you as a teammate, if you're a 16-year-old part-time kid or you're a 20-year veteran, you have the ability to take care of a guest and not go ask mom and dad, in other words, the manager, for permission to do it. And I think that's very liberating within a structure of, of processes and systems to help them. And then just little things. We have the 95-5 rule, which says you don't treat 95% of your guests like the 5% that they may want to rip you off. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's some people that'll rip you off, but who cares? Don't put up rules and regulations to try to catch them, but you, you really upset the great people that come in your doors every day. So just some of those things and focusing on, well, our first newsletter was called People and Product. And still today, it's really comes down to, you know, what's so important in City Barbecue? It's the food we serve and it's the people serving it and the teams. And so we, we rank our teams, we kind of rank priorities of team member comes first, guest comes second, stakeholder comes third. In other words, shareholder, me, because we, we want those teams to be well-developed and happy and come to work every day. Only then can they deliver great guest experience. Um, only through great guest experience are you going to take care of your shareholders anyway. So we've always been a very much a team first company and try to do that. Yeah, I love that. I mean,
1: I think the the employee experience equals the guest experience and what I truly like. And I, I said at the beginning that you guys have awesome quality food and it is competition quality. And I am picky when it comes to barbecue. But what I like about City Barbecue is the consistency at not just the one location that is closest to my house, but every single location that I go to. And it's not just the quality of food, but the people and the atmosphere. And I read online that you train your employees to treat every person who walks into a City Barbecue as the guest in their home. And I love that. But how else are you building and training your teams to create a consistent experience across every location? Because that is that is impressive. Well, it, it,
0: gets, it gets more challenging every year because mm-hmm. one of the things – to see, we're at – I think we're at 53 restaurants now, and we have about 2,000 employees, So and we're spread across eight states. So how do you create that consistency? Great question. Well, in the food aspect, you can say, well, we want to get consistency, so therefore we're going to get things pre-made. We're going to have big commissaries ship us the potato salad, et cetera. But with consistency, you're naturally going to have that lower quality – because potato salad made in Des Moines, Iowa is just not going to taste as good as when it comes in as potatoes and mayonnaise in the back of a city barbecue restaurant. And so we have to have highly structured training programs, highly structured systems and processes in place to where the potato salad tastes the same as Madison, Wisconsin, as it does in Dayton, Ohio, even though it's homemade in Madison and homemade in Dayton, Ohio. And so it's to answer that question, it's it's thousands and thousands of little things over the years to just develop processes and systems. And people sometimes would say, well, you have processes and systems that takes away our freedom. I say, actually it gives you freedom. Yeah. And and I think of it this way at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about flying airplanes. I like to fly and my, my buddies give me a hard time because I talk about it too much. And uh, the old joke is how do you know if someone's a pilot, Uh, they'll tell you, but the, But but I, I do use the metaphor of a, of a pilot where every pilot you see, whether he's a brand new, just, just uh, got his license um, in a Cessna 172 or somebody's flying uh, across the world in a 747, they all have checklists. Yeah. And the reason you all have checklists is because the last thing you want to do is take off and go, damn, did I remember to fill up with fuel? Did I remember to check the tire pressure and the landing gear tires? Right. You know, uh, you have to have these checklists. And then if you have the checklist and you know you've done the necessary things, then that gives you freedom to fly the airplane and to really have the fun aerobatics, the acrobats, to go places to have the excitement of flying. But the system got you there of knowing, yeah, I got fuel in my tank so I can do this. Well, it's the same way at a city barbecue. If you have systems and processes in place, now the teammate has the ability and the freedom to say, ah, I can use my $100 bill, the 95-5 rule. I can really take care of the guest in a terrific way. So systems and processes don't rob you of freedom. I think it gives you freedom. Yeah, I would, I would 100% agree with that. The more processes you can
1: have and the more that you can drive efficiencies, that focuses the ability to back to the guest and mm-hmm. and if you're not delivering on the guest experience then the cash register isn't going to be full right and so there's like this cyclical process you know you're talking about airplanes i had a uh, a boss a while ago 10 12 years ago now he used to fly stunt planes for the red red baron pizza oh wow he brought me over to his house and had uh it was an open cockpit plane and i was in the front seat and he was in the back seat and uh Kind of freaked me out a little bit, but uh, it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had uh, just driving around in that thing mm. with, with the helmet and the goggles on. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was crazy. So I understand sitting in the airplane, going through that process and the checklist. Yeah. So, you know, one question I had for you that I was thinking about too is, so you create this awesome barbecue. Uh, where'd you guys get the recipes and where you start drinking? All of this is homemade at, at every location, but where'd you come up with the recipes
0: for everything else? Well, the original recipes really were from all these uh, founding partners. And one of the things that I'm so appreciative of my founding partners is that they wanted Bonnie and I to have a super majority in the company. So, you know, Bonnie and I started out owning 70% of the company because they said, Rick, you're putting all your skin in the game. You're quitting your day job. We kind of want you to have this super majority ownership. But yeah, we'll, we'll be there with some recipes and some techniques and things along the way. So it's really a conglomeration of all of us. The corn pudding recipe was from a potluck supper years ago when one of my original founders went up to the lady and said, gosh, that was really good. Corn pudding, he didn't say, what is this? Probably he didn't say, oh, it's great corn pudding. She probably said, this is corn pudding. And she gave him the recipe and he said, this is going to be really good. The baked beans is actually my creation. Uh, I don't really have a culinary background, but I just played enough in the kitchen that they worked. The green beans is my wife Bonnie's recipe – my wife Bonnie's mother's recipe. Um, I better acknowledge that or I'll be on the couch tonight. Uh, (laughs) So it really kind of goes on and on down the list. Now, over the years, we've had, you know, quote-unquote professional chefs, you know, where we've gotten together and developed some other things like our Nashville hot chicken sandwich and so forth. But the core recipes that, candidly, we still serve today, that core group of products that that we've loved for years and years, were in kind of all of our home kitchens. And we just kind of figured out and said, this is going to be pretty good. And we look at a recipe today. You know, we have to do LTOs in the restaurant business. LTOs is limited time offerings. It's something – Arby's is the great ones at LTOs. If you watch an Arby's commercial, we got the meats and they got the newest sandwich. That's called an LTO for for those not in business. But we have some of our LTOs going, and whenever we develop a new item, whether it's turkey tacos uh, for a season or, you know, sweet potato casserole or what it might be, um, the very first rule we have is, will it be delicious? We don't care what the cost is. We don't care how hard it is to get. We don't even care how hard it is to make. We go, is this really, really good? And if it's really, really good, then we say, okay, now can we figure out how to make it and sell it? Uh, I think that's a better way to come out a product than, well, we need to hit a certain price point, a certain supply chain, all that, because then you kind of dumb down the food and you get average.
1: In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It, it shows in in the product that you guys serve. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you.
0: We're not always perfect. If you read our customer no. feedback, we're, we don't hit 100 percent, but we try. We try to be competition quality every day. If
1: everybody is honest, we're not 100 percent perfect. Uh, it's, it's what happens when you when you hit a bump in the road and how are you communicating and how are you solving the problems moving forward? Mm hmm. You know, one of the things that you talked about on on City City Barbecue, you guys have core values and it's about serving its community teammates and neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's the it's everybody. It's not just uh, it's not just your employees. It's not just your uh, your guests, but it's the community in general. So what does that core value and what does that statement mean to you?
0: Well, it just means you have to be part of the community. And when we started this company, honestly, the. One of the reasons we started the company, I didn't do it for the money. I you know, I needed to make a living. But really Bonnie and I had been, and especially me, for 10 years, I'd moved in like seven different places. And I I wanted to be able to walk into a restaurant in Dublin, Ohio and know somebody and and be part of the community. So that's sort of one of the impetus of of starting City Barbecue was that we would selfishly be part of the community. But when you're a local business person, uh, you have to embrace the community around you and you're you're part of that you're part of the ecosystem um, because you have vendors suppliers depending on each other we have customers obviously that we depend on you're part of this whole ecosystem that's why we do a lot of charity work and so forth with local schools local organizations uh, whatever because we want to be part of that ecosystem and part of the community and so now where we're spread across the eight states we want to be part of that local community in every restaurant that we that we have and and that's just that's what it means to us it's it's not a flavor of the month it's literally in our dna of what we do um, to be part of that and our purpose as a company is to serve and create happiness and so if an employee comes to, if a team member comes to our organization and you know and they ask what's the purpose i say it's to serve and create happiness so what does that mean well It means you take care of guests and you treat your team member uh, with uh, great integrity and respect. And um, if we do that, then the rest will kind of take care of itself. So with the teammates trying to find find the right people
1: for that that are going to be in the sitting in the right seat and sitting on the right bus facing the right direction. You know, how are you going about hiring people that are focused on serving and creating happiness? 'Cause that's that seems that's a struggle as well, just in general, not at City Barbecue, but just in general.
0: Yeah, it well, especially in the last year, it's just yeah. been brutal for for everyone. Is we have to and we just talked about this in a meeting yesterday. We we have to our people have to know what our sense of purpose is, that we're doing something more than just there to make a living. If you're doing that, you're just gonna run down the street and work for the person that gives you another buck an hour or another right. five thousand a year in your salary. The folks have to have a sense of purpose. Uh, when they're in our organization. And that sense of purpose means something different to everyone. To some, it means just being part of the community. Others, it can mean being part of a team. Others, it means they have opportunity for promotion, uh, That self-fulfillment. And where before it wasn't difficult to find people, now with just the way the dynamics have shifted, uh, we have recruiters for even entry-level positions Um, in the back of the house you know the first job you have type of thing uh, where we haven't had to have that before Mm. and so to answer the question broadly it has become a focus of recruitment as much as um, having them and then and then also retaining them is a challenge for any business today it's one to recruit it's the second to retain because if a person comes in and says you know what this is a hard job i don't really like it you know the place down the road is you know, they're, they're another buck an hour and they got their $300 signing bonus. Maybe I'll jump on that one where, you know, before it was, I'm kind of glad to have a job right. and maybe I'll stick it out and see how this goes because uh, it's a little risky for me to switch. Where today it's like, eh, if I don't like it, I can go somewhere else. And if I don't like that, I'll go somewhere else because everybody's got the hiring sign up.
1: Yeah. And, and if I can make an extra $1,200 of signing bonuses throughout the year, I'm going to do that unless I understand what that why is. If yeah. and it's not just what the why is for the purpose of creating happiness and serving others, but it's, it's also like, what's my why? Like, where is my role in doing that and how do I mm-hmm. focus on that? And then where is my, do I have the ability to grow uh, internally? And then what's the impact that I get to deliver to that, to that customer, to that guest.
0: And those are great comments. And, and we, we try to actually put that words into action. So during the pandemic shutdown, we developed it's called a healthcare heroes program where uh, the guests could donate five dollars and then we would go deliver a terrific box lunch to healthcare heroes. They're healthcare heroes, healthcare workers. I honestly don't remember how many we served. It was something like forty thousand. It was it was forty. It was a big number over the course of time. That wow. that our terrific guests being part of this ecosystem gave the money and then we could go out and and serve and create happiness to all these folks. And, but what that also did is it gave our team members a sense of purpose during these lousy times. And I think that was very good for morale, even though they complained they had to work really hard, still gave them a sense of purpose and and to come in. And then one of our proudest things is on Tuesday uh, during veterans day, we fed, I think the number was 8,400 veterans because we run a program, no questions asked, no strings attached, no buy one, then you get it. Come in for a free meal because you're active military or a veteran, and we'll take care of you. And we fed 8,300 of those folks. That comes back also to our teammates love it. They will literally set up tape. A lot of them will set up a table in the restaurant called like the, uh, it's the, the fallen soldier table like a place setting for the person that's fallen um, to remember them. And veterans come in and get tears in their eyes when they see that. And that goes back to not gimmicky stuff, but just a sense of purpose and and what we want to stand for. I think that's
1: so important what you just said, doing it for what you stand for not for a a PR stance and saying, Hey, this is going to get me put into the, the Columbus Dispatch, but it's actually it's because I truly believe and I want to honor the heroes. Yeah. Very cool. So we talked about a lot of things, but, you know, is there, is there four or five, two, three things that when it comes to the growth of City Barbecue, you, you mentioned being in eight states and you're in 50 plus locations across the country, having an awesome success. But what, what's been the key to that?
0: You know, I don't know if there, there, there is no silver bullet or magic formula. And I think every day you have to be not fearful, but a little scared. You always got to be watching the game tape and knowing what's going on. And, but it's the thousand little things every day, making good small decisions that lead to a lot of good big decisions and looking always at the long term and never looking at what are we going to make on our period PL or our quarterly budgets and so forth. Yeah, that's all important. Those are all good statistics and and important to know. But you also have to say what's the long game here? And you know, the COVID issues really trained us on that even more so to say well, one we got to survive because our business dropped 40% overnight and we're bleeding cash for 6 months. But also, how are we going to look at the long game here when we get through this and not do stupid things? That when we get on the other side we're going what did we just do and and so it's really just making good decisions every day and and i made a lot of bad ones one of my jokes is uh if you want a great if you want a great thing on all my smart decisions i got a nice 20 minute speech for you if you want to hear about my s- mistakes let's do a three-day seminar <laughs> uh and but you still gotta try to do that The I'm I'm rambling here, but one thing I do want to drive home is that, you know, people talk about about culture and culture and organizations. To me, my definition of culture is not something that you, you know, have blue jeans. I call it blue jeans Friday or massage chairs or whatever that is. Um, Culture in any organization is the behaviors of the leaders every single day. It's your behaviors. If you have the right behaviors then you have a good culture. If a, if a leader of an organization says we have a terrible culture, the first thing they need to do is look at their behaviors. You know, are they driving a Ferrari to work? Are they leading bad habits the teammates know about? Are they willing to cheat on something? Um, it's the behaviors of the leadership. And then that will always resonate with the team members and you have your culture. I firmly believe that.
1: I, I love that. What's the old saying? When, when you're pointing to somebody else and saying it's your fault, you got three pointed back to you? Oh, yeah. It's kind of a gut check of uh, maybe I should swallow my pride a little bit and see where my mindset and how I'm leading by example first and then going backwards to the to the customers or to the to the employees. Yeah, exactly. So I wrap up every single podcast with two questions, Rick. And the first one is uh, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And it could be focused on customer service or customer experience. Or if you got another one that you're fired up about, please share that one. And then. If you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say?
0: On the customer service, I would say always air for the guest and always air for the teammate. If it's a gray, if it's a gray area. Suck it up and take care of the guest. Take care of the teammate. Now, if it's not a gray area, that's another issue. Don't steal from me. But um, if it's a gray area, always air for the teammate. Always air for the guest. Uh, the other one I would tell uh, tell them is um, when you want to hurry it, you no longer care about it. And I've had to learn that as well as the more you care about something, probably the more you're going to focus on it and really be dedicated. If you really hurry through it, you probably don't care about it. So maybe those are a couple of the things I would tell them to put on their desk. As far as books and things, uh, what topic? Because I usually have about... Th- I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So I always feel like I got to read a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, what topic do you want me to hit? I, I actually made a list because our assistant, uh, Alexis, she kind of forewarned me on this question. So I did a little homework on that one. So what topic do you want to know?
1: Yeah, if, if there's any on customer experience or customer service or uh, just delivering on, on those two, I think that would be awesome. Uh, if there's anything else around uh, the... Uh, talent or culture or anything that um, I'm sure that you, like you said, you're you're an avid reader, so uh, you might have a, a whole list of them. We could have another podcast just talking about books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm 57 years old, so I'm starting to read different books these days. So I kind of made a list of what are the ones that really impacted me in the last year. And I'm actually kind of I'm actually right now, and it doesn't have anything to do with this podcast, but I'm literally right now going through all those books and saying, what did I highlight? And what was really important and then how do I apply that going forward first of all I'll the title of a book if I ever read it might be i um, I'll be at your auction in six months and we can end with that of why it would be called I'll be at your auction in six months but I'm, I'm reading a list here um, right now I'm uh, a very impactful book is called the second mountain by David Brooks um, that one just got me and what I do is I get up early in the morning and I read for about an hour um, that's just it's a, a quiet time, no TV, no radio, no nothing. I just I just read uh, with a notepad and a highlighter. So I'm reading that right now. Very impactful books here is um, I didn't get the author's name, but the psychology of money is a, is a wonderful one. Uh, also Die was Zero is very interesting on the financial side. I'm going through zero to one by Peter Thiel. that's on growing and Start Starting and growing a Business. Leadership lessons from Bill Snyder I read 20 years ago, and I'm going to try to get his autograph. Bill Snyder is the coach at Kansas State University, my alma mater. I, I like to call it the Harvard of the Plains. Nothing more needs to be said. <laughs> um, skip – actually, an interesting one I just read, uh, Skip the Line by James Altucher. I hopefully, I got that name right. That was an interesting one. The Big Leap, Gary Hendricks, The Automatic Customer by John Morn Willow, I believe. Um, but that's, that was a good one on subscription businesses. And customer service, Uh, one that Vern Harnish did that I just thought was terrific and it relates back to the customer service question because a lot of topics in there relate to it is the greatest business decisions of all time. And then another terrific one that just includes business life and customers is how will you measure your life by Clayton Christensen. So those are ones I'm skimming through again after reading them to say, okay, what did I highlight? Because I read every book with a highlighter. I just have to, I, I like feel naked if I don't have a highlighter in my hand while I'm reading
1: it. Man, those are, that's a, that's a pretty impressive list. And uh, similar to you, I, I, I read all the time and I have the dog ears everywhere. And uh, I make the, I make the <laughs> book three times thicker just from the dog ears itself and, and, and underlining and highlighting. And, you know, I think if you're not going back and looking or writing them down into another notebook or, and being able to, drive that to uh an action you're just reading you're just spending that time but uh it's it's awesome that you're going back and kind of figuring out not just what you did in the last month or the last year but 20 years ago in the book that you read so uh i mm-hmm. love i love the list i'll i'll reach out to a couple of those guys and uh, see if they'll they'll uh, join the podcast but uh rick uh what's the best way so let's say that you know, obviously, uh, Columbus, Ohio has plenty of city barbecues, but, you know, if somebody's maybe not as familiar or let's say they're in North Carolina or they're um, in a, in another location. What's the best way to find
0: you? And uh, what's the what's the the pitch of City Barbecue? Well, the pitch would be the way to find us is is, is Google, the wonderful world of Google City Barbecue. CityBBQ.com is our website. Uh, you can find all the locations there. We also have a terrific app. Uh, We put a lot of money into technology this past year so. We have a terrific app that can help you as well. And the pitch would be go in and ask for a sample because we love sampling our food and let you experience it. Uh, Don't look for coupons. We don't do a lot of them. Um, We believe in loyalty. We have a loyalty program, but we don't believe in necessarily buying your business. But if you want to say, geez, I've never had this. I want to try it. I'm not sure about it. Go in and say, "Give me a slice of brisket and let me try it and see if I like it that way." And uh, and if our teammates are got it all together and practicing their hundred dollar bill, they'll they'll say, "Well, why don't you sample some other things too?" <laughs> and um and and that's how you can experience that would be the pitch. Um, but we we want you to feel like it's family and it and it's and it's real barbecue because it is. So to all the listeners out there that are within a sixty mile radius. Uh- take
1: time and, and, and invest at the local shops, this high quality, consistent, amazing food, you won't regret it and, and get that sample and you'll be hooked for another 20 years. But Rex, thanks so much. I appreciate the time, appreciate the conversation and uh, looking forward to digging into some of those
0: books. Yeah, great talk. Thank you.
1: Hey listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to press1forNick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit
0: cxofm.org for more resources.